Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Basketball Conference Podcast. My name is Mike McDaniel. Joey Weaver is still in Greece, and we're here to preview Duke. So I brought on my buddy Justin Case from inside the ACC. Justin, what's going on? Not too much, man. Looking forward to talking some Duke football, which is a phrase that people can say without irony. Yeah, they they can say that. And people in Durham, by the way, you have a football team. Just, <laughs> just wanted to let you know. Um, yeah, so pretty strong year for Duke last year. They finished seven and six, uh, despite taking steps back across the board in pretty much all major offensive categories. Uh, namely, among them, just the quarterback play took a dip last year with Daniel Jones. Really strong freshman year. Thought he'd take a step forward last year, and it really was a little bit of a sophomore slump for him, Justin. Yeah, and I mean, you know, his numbers dipped across the board. Uh, you look at completion percentage, uh, touchdowns, interceptions went up a couple. But, you know, you look at the numbers, they're actually pretty comparable to the year before. He just didn't progress like everyone kind of hoped and expected that he would. Uh, but, you know, at the quarterback position, you're always given too much credit and too much blame. So it's one of those things you have to realize the cast around him wasn't always the most consistent. Uh, Duke relied on Daniel Jones a lot in the running game. Uh, and actually, his numbers improved slightly there, uh, although yards per carry went down. You know, He had more yards. He had the same number of touchdowns. Um, but he was just uh, very much doing almost everything. And you got to have guys step up. And so sometimes, uh, you know, there's more to it than than just looking at the raw numbers. And, you know, this was kind of an issue his freshman year, too, in regards to offensive line play, lack of protection. <clears throat> it's been an issue there for Duke for quite some time. Uh the running game was just okay last year. Sean Wilson was the team's leading rusher. He's now gone. Britton Brown carried a good bit of the load last year. It was a two-headed monster there with both him and Wilson. And, of course, Daniel Jones, who carried the ball quite a bit as well, like you mentioned. Uh, Britton Brown steps in. He'll be the leading, you know, the leading running back this year. And we expect Daniel Jones to take a good bit of the carries once again. That could be either a good or a bad thing for Duke fans. I think a major part of this offense is keeping him upright and keeping him healthy. Right. And that is the concern when you're running a quarterback so much is that he's even if he doesn't get seriously injured and misses time, you're still going to get dinged up. You're still going to get little injuries that kind of nag and, and just being sore all the time because you're taking so many more hits than maybe if you're a traditional drop back passer or someone who kind of scrambles to avoid hits. Um, but Daniel Jones, very athletic. He can make things happen. So that's going to be a factor and it's going to be something they rely on, like you said. That's how they're going to have to keep the offense moving. The good news for Duke here is that they do return their top three receivers off of last year's team. Uh, TJ Roming returns. I feel like he's been there forever, but he <laughs> returns in the slot. They have Jonathan Lloyd and Chris Taylor also returning. That's the good news. The bad news is that there were only four touchdowns between those three players all of last season. So they're still lacking the true home run threat. It's going to be a question as to whether or not uh, Duke will be able to find somebody who can, who can stretch the field on the outside. That's a major piece that was missing in the passing game last year for them. 
Yeah, and you know, we were talking a little bit before we came on air. David Cutcliffe, rightfully so, has a a track record as a quarterback guru, and he's done some great work with a lot of different guys. Um, but this program isn't exactly a run and shoot. It's very much a ball control kind of team that relies on a lot of great defensive play and just kind of tries to scrape by. They don't always score that many points, but they hold their opponents a few enough that it generally works out in their favor enough that, you know, they can scrape out a a six win, seven win season and, and have enough success that, you know, people are pretty, pretty satisfied and even impressed with what they're doing. Yeah. So offensively, like you said, I mean, it's more of a grinded out type attack defensively, obviously they're, you know, they pride themselves on playing good defense and they had pride themselves on running the football. Of course, I took a little bit of a step back last year. And uh, I think now that they have a quarterback like Daniel Jones, who can step in and sling the ball around quite a bit, they're trying to kind of evolve that offense to fit his skill set a little bit more than they would regularly. They're not used to having the type of talent a quarterback that Daniel Jones uh, possesses. Now, I think the the one thing you mentioned that, you know, is a good point that, you know, while they lack a true home run threat, if they're able to grind it out, that should be enough to get them to six, seven, eight wins when looking at the schedule. But I think where it's going to hurt them, where they lack a true home run threat and true explosiveness on the offensive side of the ball is when they play, uh, you know, teams with higher octane offenses. And, you know, they do draw Miami and Clemson this year. That'll be problematic. Uh, they get into weird games with Georgia Tech, which is always a problem. Like Georgia Tech just poses a lot of problems to a lot of different teams. Yeah, I was gonna say I think everyone gets into weird games with Georgia Tech. That's just what happens. It's just yeah, it's just what happens. Um, you know, Baylor's gonna spread it out and throw quite a bit. So yeah. there's some offenses on their schedule they'll have to play where the lack of explosiveness could end up hurting. <clears throat> Well, and the other thing is even teams that maybe they're even with or should beat, it lets them hang around. And it's just one of those things that eventually bites you once in a while. And, you know, Duke does drop a head scratcher now and then or gets into a game that's way too close against someone that they probably should beat with a little more comfort. Um, you know, that's just kind of the way uh, the way things go when you run a program and and that's kind of the style that you end up going for. It's happened to a lot of other programs, you know. Um, and more recently, I think Virginia Tech is an example of that. They played with that kind of a strategy for many, many years, you know, solid offense to maybe good offense and then great defense, make a player here, player two here on special teams and, and maybe one on defense and then kind of scrape by. But, you know, I mean, Duke's been on the receiving end of that in a positive way there in that game. And and sometimes that's what happens when you're you're playing close games against great or good teams even. So. Duke's going to hang their hat on their defense. That's clear. They return eight starters on that side of the ball, including our favorite linebacker, <laughs> the Joe Giles Harris, second team All-American, of course, returning, and his stats are ridiculous. It honestly doesn't even make sense. I mean, he's played for two seasons and has 232 tackles, and 25 and a half of them are for loss. It's just, the production is just unfathomable, and you know, he's he's definitely the centerpiece of that unit, and I think he'll have another great season. Uh, you know, you hope he stays healthy. Uh, obviously, you hope everyone stays healthy, but at the same time, he's just such a crucial linchpin to that unit. And if he does stay healthy, I think they're going to be pretty solid to, to maybe really good. Um, and I, I I pencil him in at first team, you know, all ACC. I, I just don't know if anyone's going to equal the kind of numbers he's going to put up, you know, at least in theory. Yeah, it's video game like numbers, even to a degree that I, I mean, I knew he was good and I, I knew he was an outstanding player. And then I looked at the stats from last year. I was like, oh, my God, he had 125 <laughs> tackles. It just did. I mean, the, the numbers don't make sense. Yeah, um, he's he's a ridiculous player. 
so they're going to have a good pass rush. You're going to have a guy who obviously, you know, meets the running backs of the line of scrimmage because that's what Joe Giles Harris does. Uh, but they also returned Jeremy McDuffie in the secondary third team all ACC last year um, at strong safety. That'll help. Uh, Duke will have a pretty strong secondary and a, a decent to very good pass rush. And I think at the very least, their defense is going to keep them in enough ball games to make things interesting, especially if the offense takes a step forward this year. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more talent, I think, than people realize on Duke. You look at their recruiting over the last handful of seasons. Uh, almost every year they've had one four-star player or a guy who is pretty close or maybe a couple of them, and they've managed to get players uh, out from under the noses of some pretty big programs. They've gotten a lot of guys from Virginia, uh, a lot of great talent from North Carolina has chosen to stay home. And, uh, you know, they don't maybe have the depth of some of the better programs in the conference, but they're definitely players all over the field that can make plays for them. And, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned a couple on defense. I think that's going to be the way that they win ball games, and it's going to be probably – fairly exciting um the question is how far does the offense come along and you know if the unit comes together even a little bit i think that they're going to be in really really good shape let's talk about a new player to watch on offense new player to watch on defense like we've done with all these previews uh justin and all, all the listeners out there we've gone through uh preview by preview of course as you know returning listeners will know and kind of try to grab a new player on either side of the ball who we feel like will make an impact um, heading into the year. My guy, Justin, I hope I don't steal this from you, uh, is Deion Jackson. He's a sophomore running back for Duke. He only had 32 carries last year. Most of them came in garbage time, only 100 yards. I think he gets more carries than that this year and could make an impact. Um, you know, obviously, Duke likes to bring in a couple different running backs into the game. They've done that as long as David Cutcliffe's been there. Uh, they've been grinding it out, on, um, running the football. And I think uh, Deion Jackson paired with Britton Brown there in the backfield. It'll be a more thunder and lightning type approach. And that, of course, coupled with uh, the continued running ability of Daniel Jones, I think will be good for Duke heading into the year running the football. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. They need a better run game and take, to take a little pressure off of Daniel you know, I think that's a really good pick, and I'm going to go with it because I didn't write down any new guys. Uh, this is a highly oiled machine, fellas, folks, yeah, and this is, this is this is great. Um, but no, I think that that uh, that's a that's a really good example of a guy that that if he steps up, he's got a really great opportunity. Um, you know, whoever takes the ball there is going to get a lot of opportunities to to make a difference. And you know, I, I think just uh, the way that the running game has been. Is, is not sustainable. So that's that's going to be a guy who gets a lot of opportunities. And um, if he makes the most of them, we're going to hear his name a heck of a lot on Saturdays. Guy on defense. Here we go, Justin. Miles Hudzik. He's a cornerback, sophomore uh, for Duke, 5'10", 165. He'll be sliding in there a corner. Um, obviously didn't get a ton of playing time last year, but he'll slide in. And he's one of the only new guys on that entire defense. Uh, the majority of the players – sliding in there have either been rotational guys in the past or are just juniors and seniors that have been with the program a long time as Duke returns eight of their starters on that side of the ball. Yeah, it's a really veteran unit and another one of the reasons why they're going to lean on it so much. Um, but, you know, that's a great opportunity for a young guy because he's not going to be relied on a ton, but he's going to have a chance to make plays, maybe uh, have a little more freedom than a lot of guys who are forced into action early uh, would. And, uh, completely unrelated to anything. I, I like the name Miles as a, as, a, as a first name for a player. It just seems like, you know, it has some distance to it. It's good. It's nice. It's got it's, a nice ring. It does. It has a great ring, too. Miles Hudson is a great name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I, I agree. So he's our pick on the defensive side of the football. Uh, Justin, without further ado, let's look at the schedule. All right. Uh, you know, I'm having a hard time handicapping the ACC this year. So I think I think that. everyone is the the wheel of destiny is real, and it's yeah. crucial to picking games. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Justin and I, you know, shameless plug, we write for Inside the ACC. I'm writing a season preview article where I'm putting down season predictions for all these teams. I'm going to give a prediction for Duke shortly, and it might be different from what's in the article because I have no idea what's actually going to go into that. Yeah, it depends Um, on the day. depends on the day, and that's really how it's been with all these previews. I have no idea what these teams are going to do this year. Uh, Duke's included, so let's talk about Duke uh, like we have for this entire podcast. Uh, Theory. Let's sure. Surefire wins, surefire losses, toss-up games for Duke. Justin, I'll give you first crack at the toss-up games because I can point to a number of them. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I alluded to it earlier. When you play the style of football that Duke does, I feel like most of these games are toss-up games. Um, and I think that there might be some that surprise people a little bit. Uh, I think Virginia Tech is a little bit of a toss-up that would surprise people uh, just because – the Hokies have some question marks, and that game generally has been close the last handful of seasons. With Duke even, you know, pulling an upset now and then, uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see them play. Actually, both Techs, Georgia Tech, is another one um, that could go either way. But there's so many questions that I have about these other teams. You know, Pittsburgh is an example. North Carolina is an example. Uh, Wake Forest is an example. I I really look at this and I just see so many toss ups. Uh, I would say almost all of their schedule is a toss-up game, uh, which is kind of a cop-out, but I, I really feel that way. I do too, uh, which kind of leads us into surefire wins. I really only see NC Central as a surefire win. Um, yeah, yeah. That's really the only game on the entire schedule I see as a surefire win. I think the rest of them could be toss-ups or surefire losses even. Yeah, you know, you got to look to NC Central, the Bull City Classic. Nothing to to write home about, but it's it's definitely a W. Um after that, uh, you know, some and I could see them winning a lot of these games. I think that Duke has the kind of team that that should make a bowl game. I think, and that's an interesting statement. They should, um, but they've made one the five of the last seven seasons. It's become an anomaly when they don't qualify for a bowl game, which is it's kind of a new feeling, but it's it's starting to become the norm uh, down in Durham. And you know, I, I think I think this will be another solid season. It's just going to be interesting to see where the wins and losses come from. Uh- Duke making bowls five of the last seven seasons. That's news to Duke fans because they, they weren't going to the football games. Um, so surefire losses at Miami at Clemson feel pretty safe with those. Um, outside of that. <laughs> now I, I know Duke's play. I know Duke's played Miami competitively, but I just, I have a hard time seeing them going to Miami and having any prayer there. Yeah. I, I think those are pretty safe bets and they're both on the road. That's the other thing. Um, you know, I, I look at their road games and, and I think those are definitely the more challenging ones. It's tough to go on the road for anybody, but they're all pretty challenging, you know, at Pitt again, at Georgia tech, at Baylor, at Northwestern, these are all solid programs, two very good programs. And I, I just feel like that's going to be a challenge. They get plenty of games at home that I, I feel pretty good about. I think even though wake should be pretty solid, I think they could beat wake. I think they could beat Carolina. Um, just because there's still a lot of question marks there. Um, Virginia is, I, I, I consider the Virginia Cavaliers to be the wild card this year. I just, I have no idea. That's going to be feast or famine. And it's going to be really interesting. Um, and then, like I said, Virginia Tech is not 
a lock for the Hokies. That could go either direction. So there are plenty of opportunities out there for a well-oiled, you know, decently healthy Duke team. So the the thing you said just now was really interesting. Two things. Um, the Virginia Tech game. So Duke gets that game at home, and that's a week before Virginia Tech hosts Notre Dame for the first time, which <laughs> it's a... is essentially one of the it's it's going to be one of the biggest games in, in school history just because they don't bring Notre Dame to Blacksburg ever. This is the first time. Right. And Virginia Tech has an opportunity, especially if they if they're able to knock off Florida State in the opener. Full disclosure, Justin and I are both Virginia Tech alums as, as we say this. If Virginia Tech has any prayer in the opener against Florida State, they find a way to win that. That Notre Dame game all of a sudden becomes a massive game in the middle of the schedule. Um, and with that comes the Duke game the week before. Duke can absolutely play spoiler at home um, and knock off Virginia Tech there. You mentioned Virginia as well. Virginia is one of those teams that's returning most of their defense. Uh, they also return eight starters. Now, the three starters they don't return are Andrew Brown, one of the school's best defensive linemen of all time, Micah Kaiser at linebacker, and Quinn Blanding in the secondary. So they don't return their three best defensive players, but they're returning eight starters on defense. Virginia is a huge wild card, and they're bringing in Bryce Perkins, a quarterback, a decent uh, a guy who's a junior college transfer who looks great on film, uh, has never taken an FBS snap for what it's worth looks great on film if he's any good uh virginia could have a, a decent team this year they, they could get to somewhere between five and seven wins in the ACC. yeah no I, I i agree and i mean we've talked about a lot of these teams that are kind of in a similar level i guess maybe as duke and i lump duke wake and um and virginia kind of together is well they could finish at the bottom but they could also i think end up in the middle of the pack make bowl games make noise and cause trouble for a lot of other teams around the conference. So I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to, to get these games underway, like real games, not like weird pseudo preseason games. Like not, this not is going to be not NCA and T in Jacksonville state, which I was watching before. I hit. <laughs> no, no, not necessarily that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right. We got to go on the record here with a record prediction on the record with a record. Um, Joey or Joey, just, <laughs> Joey's here in spirit. Uh, yeah, Justin, what say you here with the record? Because I, uh, I have no idea, so I'll give you first crack. Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to go through and tally it up as you put me on the spot here. Um, so I mean, you know, Army is a really tough opener, even though it's at home. I think they probably lose that. I, I I'm not going to say it's a lock, but I just think I have a feeling about that. Northwestern is pretty tough. I don't know enough about Northwestern this season. I know they've been good for for a while, uh, and they have a generally consistent program there. Um, but those games seem to be really competitive between these two teams. They're kind of at a similar level of, of competency. So, um, so between them and Baylor, I think they win one of those. Let's see. So we got, we got a lost, got a lost army. We've got uh, a one-on-one split after that. So we're, we're one and two. We're, we're off to a rough start. We get the NC central win. So that's two and two. The Hokies, uh, I'll tentatively put it as a loss for now, but again, I, I would not be surprised if that went either direction. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Uh, so we'll say two and three. Uh, I, I think they split with the text. So we'll just, we'll go with that and, and see, see if it sticks to the wheel of destiny. Uh, that would put us, uh, I'm losing track here. I think that's put us at three and three. <laughs> we're scraping to a six and six finish. We're trying. We're crawling, we're crawling to six and six. 
Virginia and Pitt, <laughs> I think I'm just going to keep picking splits until we get to six and six. I think that makes sense. <laughs> does, this, does it sound fair? I, I think that's fair. Man, I, I'm, I'm laughing, but my, <laughs> my, my prediction for Duke today will be six and six or seven and five tomorrow i'll come up with five and seven or i'll come up with like eight and four when i write the article like i have no idea i have no idea yeah we really sound like knowledgeable football knowers right now this is this is hard to get stuff this is the good good stuff yeah this is the good stuff and you can't go anywhere else for it um so you know we we laugh and we sound like idiots but then you think about it this year this is what's going to be like with the entire acc this year so yeah you can turn on ESPN and see the same kind of thing. So I was listening to I was listening to um, it wasn't college game. It was college football scoreboard earlier, and they were trying to break down like the four college football playoff teams. Everybody's like Alabama and then Clemson. Um, <laughs> nobody had any idea. <laughs> Question that. marks. Yeah, it could be anybody. A lot of different ideas after that. So it's it's a national thing. It's not just an ACC thing. Um, so you're going with six and six. That feels perfectly safe. Yeah. Um, sure. I'll go with six and six too. Um, I don't know how they're going to get it. I, that, that's the problem. I, I could see a scenario where they do go seven and five. Um, uh, eight and four seems it seems hard for me to imagine with this. Story. That's that's pretty optimistic. I feel like. I mean, if things if everything falls into place and Daniel Jones suddenly the light turns on and that kind of thing. Sure. That could happen. I mean, this is a wide open conference. There are a lot of gettable games, but I think, I think closer to 500 is, is probably more realistic. And then, you know, margin of error plus or minus one, you know, you're either going to be at, in a bowl game, like a better bowl game than you might think, or you're going to be at home. Right. No, I, I completely agree. Um, this, this Duke program right now is anywhere. And, and this is to David Clark credit, not to his detriment. Uh, this is a five to seven or eight win program right now, and that's a lot better than Duke had been way before he got there. Uh, they were bottom of the barrel in the basement of the conference. I mean, they were not a good football program. He brought them to at least relevancy in the ACC. Um, yeah, it's almost hard to remember just how bad Duke was. And a lot of people still haven't shaken that memory to a degree, but it's like, you know, everyone keeps take, saying, oh, well, they're going to take a step back. They're going to take a step back. And every year they kind of are like, well, we're still here. We're OK. You know, or we're actually pretty good. And um, yeah, but they were just terrible, truly dreadful. You're thinking about the Ted Roof years and some of those Wobegon fellas who went through that program. It's just like, oh, my, they didn't win any games for a while. <laughs> like, they were real. I mean, they were real bad for a really long time. And their fan base has always been ready for basketball season, which I understand. But yeah. They've been playing good football for a while now. They're extremely well coached. Um, yeah, I think the six and six, seven and five range is perfectly reasonable with this football team. Um, if they go five and seven, it wouldn't shock me. But if they went eight and four or four and eight, I'd be really surprised. So I think we're in the, firmly in the five to seven win range. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. And uh, I'll just give a shameless plug. If you're in Durham, please go to the game. Wallace Wade Stadium is beautiful. It's a nice, accessible place. You can get some good barbecue there. Maybe see some sunshine, some nice fall weather. It's it's just, I, I feel like I work for the athletic department, but I'm just like, dude, go. If you're in Durham, what are you doing? It's Saturday. Watch football. Your parking your parking's more expensive than your football. <laughs> it really is. So if you can walk, so especially for the North Carolina Central game, if you can walk to the game like their players will, it's perfect. Yeah. Just walk to the football game, 
you you pay like 30 bucks for a ticket and you go and it's if really that. Nice if that i paid 45 i think two years ago in 2016 i feel like i got ripped off but i ended up two rows two rows from the field so who's the loser um <laughs> no comment so, yes so that's our that's our duke preview um, there you go duke firmly entrenched in the five to seven win range justin and i tried to figure it out we'll do it again for north carolina justin yeah so justin will be back another shameless plug Justin will be back for a North Carolina preview. Um, until then, you can follow the podcast, of course, on Twitter at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, you can fo- you can follow Justin Cates, of course, on Twitter at Best Cates. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike McDaniel CFB, and then of course Joey Weaver, who will be back here soon uh, at FTRS Joey. Of course, um, you can find our podcast, of course, on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app. A lot of different places. You can also check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference. Of course, rate and review and find all of our podcasts there. Uh, you can also send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Really long email, but hey, it's a way to reach us. It's an option. It's an option. Uh, I don't know. Joey's a lot more smooth than this than I am. Uh, but, but you know what? He's not here because he's a jerk. But he's not here. He's a jerk and went to Greece with his wife. Good old, good old Joey. Uh, we know him. We love him. And he'll be back here soon. Um, well, Justin, we did it. We made it through the Duke preview. That felt good. That felt. That felt like. Well, that felt like preseason, frankly. Yes, it it did. Um, it, it'll feel like the regular season too, I think, because I still don't know what to think of this football team. We'll know soon. We'll know soon. We'll find um, out together, everyone. Yep. Until next time, for Justin Cates, for my buddy and co-host, Mr. Joey Weaver, who's here in spirit, uh, I'm Mike McDaniel. Until next time, go ACC.